Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is Jason. And this is episode 317, March Madness Round 1 Solo Games. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, gentlemen, we are back, and we are back with the two solo gamers of solo gaming, Anthony and Jason from, or formerly from, Every Night is Game Night. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Yes, yes, that's us. The From a well, lifetime ago, my God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you guys have been around for quite some time, and you guys put together a good chunk of episodes about the latest and greatest in solo gaming. And being that it's March Madness, and being that we do have to pay the sports gods their due we do this every year which is we take the best in gaming we slap it together we match it up and then we make long-lasting earth-shattering decisions on what is the best of the best so for this march madness crazy round one we are talking about solo games so again not a solo gamer but of course like everything else i'm solo gaming now so (laughs) Anthony and Jason will be 
battling it out and deciding which is the best of these games. I believe Gentlemen. you meant to say that Anthony and Jason were ahead of the curve. Oh! We, we were, right? <laughs> you know, we, we caught a lot of flack when we tried to post and we got a little bit of like, well, scoreboard games are social and da da da. And now it's like... <laughs> welcome to our world son <laughs> yeah. what's up what's up now what's up what's up now thank you <laughs> the first time that chris came on and reviewed a game that he played solo which was like maybe five six months ago i i, I legit looked at the spreadsheet before we started recording i was like are you messing with me is this happening what's happening yeah it's it, he made fun of me for years for years yeah. this man <laughs> It was a it was a stigmatized activity. There was a lot of fun being made, a lot of references to self pleasure that I did not appreciate. But as we not from you, Chris, but from like from just from the the the, the interwebs, right? Because the interwebs they don't care. So then you know then we get into a pandemic, and then we have we have all these wonderful games in our shelves, and we have no idea what to do with them. And then all of a sudden, boom, solo goodness. So we're happy to have this year's March Madness themed along solo games. I took this from something you're very familiar with, Jason, because you do this every year, the top 200 uh, People's Choice solo games that the One Player Guild puts together. Kevin Erskine, you run this show every year, um, and I was on it for a few years. And that's what seeded this list. Obviously, there's not 200 games on the list we're going to talk about today, but that's where they came from based on what I and us as a whole have played. So just want to give them their shout out. If you want to see more solo games, check out that list. Well, you guys have both played plenty of them. And obviously, like as like you said, Jason, it's become a mainstay in board gaming right now. Obviously, every Kickstarter that's coming out now, there's either a solo gaming mode in it or there's a ton of people asking about solo gaming in there. So, I mean, it's one of those good, bad news kind of situations with the lockdown that people have discovered that their games can play solo or how many great solo games are out there in the industry. So it brings light to a great hobby and a hobby that everyone can do. And that's not always true, right? We have so many games in our collection that never get a chance to get played. And, you know, if you can't get the group together or you don't have the right group together, uh, this is a really great option for it. So for people like me who don't normally solo game, but might have some solo games in my collection or some games that can play solo, uh, this is a really good opportunity to know what's best and what I should be getting to the table for one. Get it? Table for one? I just, I don't, I don't know. People, someone got that. Someone out Talking there got that. Deep cut. Going into Wayback Machine, my friend. I was like, what? Deep cut. Deep. I know, right? See, this is what you get here. Uh, so, yeah. So, we'll be talking about all those things. Obviously, the gentlemen here know everything about solo gaming that there is to know. Um, because, typically, uh, they do get these games to the table. So, um, with that said, obviously, let's jump into the bracket matchup. And the first bracket is the cooperative game bracket. So this bracket has a lot of, you know, top-notch games. You probably own these games. You've probably played these games. You probably and... see these games behind me in my shelf. <laughs> if for, the, for, those of, so for those of us who are listening or, or watching, the blessed few who are watching this stream, a, a yeah. good number of these are, are lurking right behind me. Is this your favorite bracket Jason, is this, oh, no is this like the, no the, question? Uh, this this bracket just makes me sing. Like these year, this year game bracket, I'm not really feeling too much. I don't know what's going on over there. But, <laughs> uh, but when it comes to the cooperative games, ah, uh, oh, it, it, it can only go downhill from here. Why did you save this one for last? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you, Anthony? You, you're a big 
co-op guy. Is that what br- eventually brought you over to solo gaming? No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Jason laughs immediately. No, I don't, I don't like. I don't really like co-op games generally. But there's a few on here I like. We'll get to them. It's funny, yeah. Like when we when we used to do the show back in the day, it, it would be that like the co-op stuff, which is overwhelmingly, you know, solo gaming in general. People co-op games are just naturally feed into that. My bracket was the Euro stuff, the heavy stuff, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But yeah, there's some good co-op games out there and they've gotten better over time. They're like, yes, they're not just like the spreadsheety push pen alpha gaming exercises that they used to be. There's a lot more going on there, but it's just it's, you know, a lot of these are not for me. (laughs) Let's put it that way. (laughs) But they're for me. Let's make it happen. (laughs) All right, so our first matchup here is our number one seed versus our number 16 seed. It's Spirit Island at our number one, and number 16, Horrified. So this is an unfortunate uh, you know, thing. Like Spirit Island is going to be the juggernaut. It is the one game on uh, that solo list, of just to kind of spoil what could come of, um, the, of this list. I mean, it's, Spirit Island is amazing. Even Anthony loves it, loved it upon first play. Uh, and I have it back there. It's back there somewhere. Um, and I say unfortunate because poor Horrified. I love Horrified. It is a nice family weight, just fun, pure fun. It might be a little bit too easy solo, like because it's just, you know, you, you're less likely to get hit by monsters. Um, but the it's so the theme is so well realized, and it is going to unfortunately get crushed underfoot of our number one seed without with barely a mention. So gonna have to give a little shine to horrify, but I have to go Spirit Island. Yeah, yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. I actually like Horrified considering what it is. Like this is not typically a type of game I like, but being able to pull in different types of monsters in different modules and always having like a different mix of the monsters that you're facing in that game makes it much more interesting to me. It's not so repetitive. It's it's thematic, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a good thing to pull out around Halloween. So I have it. In the closet, I'll be, but I have it. Uh, but Spirit Island, yeah, this is the game where I was like, maybe I do like co-op games, or maybe I like the best <laughs> co-op game ever made. I don't know. <laughs> me and I were going to meet up at a, God willing, we meet up at a con sometime in the future, and we and then the, the table says cooperative game. This is the game we are reaching for, and that the one, the one that we're both gonna have fun with. All right, so that's our number one seat. Spirit Island moves on to the next round. Next up, things get a little tight. Our number eight seed, Mansions of Madness, versus our number nine seed, Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Yeah, the numbers worked out interesting here because the the latter is somewhat based on the former. So (laughs) this, this, again, this is Mansions of Madness, second edition, we should say. So the one with the app. First edition's a broken mess of a game that we don't want to talk about. (laughs) Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's for me, I enjoy both of these games quite a bit. I owned Mansions of Madness second edition when it first came out and I played it several times. I enjoyed it a lot. I never really got into it playing it solo, though. Uh, It was something I played with a group of people. It was more interesting that way. Um, Those games got really long, which was a problem for me. Um, Some of those modules in the app are like four hours long, which is so long. Whereas Journeys in Middle Earth does i know i know me saying that but that kind of game is too long that um, kind of game of rolling 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 yeah. rolling 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 <laughs> rolling 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 <laughs> too many rolling, rolling. rolling rolling um and then you get journeys in middle earth which kind of takes that formula and they're like no dice 
All right, take the dice out. We got cards. It's a little more strategic. You can plan your deck out a little bit. Um, there's, you know, the legacy element, not legacy, the campaign element to it that builds over time. And the modules, there's just as many of them, but they're not quite as long. Uh, I significantly enjoyed that one. The theme helps, you know, Lord of the Rings is Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I I, I almost want to say it would come down to theme, but I don't even think it does. I think Journeys in Middle Earth is just a better game because it's iterating on Mansions of Madness. Both of these games were shocking disappointments for me. Match of the Madness is basically like a movie. Uh, it's a movie with rolling. No, thank you. I'm I'm good on that. I mean, and look, Journeys in Middle Earth also. I just felt like I was looking at the app way too more, way too much more than I was looking at the board. Like the board play wasn't interesting to me at all, and the just it wasn't enough. Like you know actual movement and you know like accounting for terrain and everything it's just like you move one and then you press a the screen and then the screen tells you like you know all these things you, you search and all that kind of stuff and like you know i i, I mean I, th- I guess apps are cool i just don't want them to do too much work it's almost like um there's a difference between like you know a, a driver assisted car and like a self-driving car and i felt like you know that kind of moved and it kind of bled into the wrong direction plus like i just did, i wasn't entertained by the um the theme integration of the lord of the rings because it felt like a lot like descent like it was like okay descent but with elves and like high elves and everything so it was like there was a lot that i was disappointed with but i'm still gonna vote vote for lord of the rings journeys over matches of madness because of what anthony said at least the journeys in the earth is shorter for what it offers you um and match madness is just i just didn't enjoy it this is too long it's so long all right, well, that means our number nine seed, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth, moves on to the next round. Next up, we have in our fifth seed, The Seventh Continent versus our twelfth seed, Ghost Stories. Ooh, okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, okay, so we're talking solo game. Seventh Continent is a pretty poor cooperative game because it's basically a solo game blown out. And... It is an excellent exploration game. There's tons of content, tons of cards. I think it's like 1,024 cards in the base set. And then you can get like kind of, you know, more and more on top of that. Hours and hours of of entertainment for Seventh Continent. However, you see, you do not see Seventh Continent on these shelves. (laughs) You see, where is it? There it is. It's up there. Ghost Stories is right above near and far. Take my word for it. It's over there. Ghost Stories is up there. It is a classic game. It plays beautifully solo, in my opinion. I mean, harder at the higher player counts. You could play with the tokens. You can play with the four characters, kind of moving them around. I have played hundreds of games with the expansion. Without the expansion, I really love this tower defense, grillingly hard game. But if you know how to play and if you don't rely on those dice, which most people do is so lucky, learn to play people learn to use the village tiles, you will be able to beat this game on a very regular basis, which I do. And I love it. I enjoy it. Ghost stories in the upset, our first upset, well, our first real upset of the, of the attorney. What about you, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. I like, yes, I want to like, seventh, I, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I, I want to like seventh continent. I backed it. I have it. I even got to the trouble of learning it a couple times. It's just the overhead of getting, it's a lot. It's a lot to get going. It's a lot to the momentum required to get into that game and get moving and, and rolling with it is a lot for me. And I just never gotten over that hump. 
So maybe if I could sit down and play that for hours and hours, like say Arkham Horror, the card game, which I've done that with and gotten over that hump, it would have a different opinion. But for that game, I'm just like, I just can't get into it. Ghost Stories doesn't need all that, right? You Three, four pages of rules or whatever it is, you're into the game, you play it and kicked and then you try again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the game is, like you said, yeah, it's brutally hard, but it's it's not impossible. It's not unfairly hard and you can tell that when you're losing and some of these games you you lose and you're like okay well that's just to make me lose and other games you understand like no i could have done this or i could have done that or if this had gone this way and i could have tweaked this and maybe if it rolled it this way and that makes you want to play again because you're like oh i can beat it so yeah i'm with you man get ghost stories wow first upset unanimous yes our first upset of the competition the 12th c ghost stories move on to the next round Next up is a classic battle up co-ops, the number four seed Pandemic versus the number 13 seed Flashpoint Fire Rescue. I, I'm going to tell you straight up on this one. <laughs> Flip a coin. That's what that face said. Flip a coin. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you got two very fundamental cooperative systems and i i only put pandemic on this list so obviously that can include all of pandemic sphere like i didn't i don't have pandemic legacy on here i don't have pandemic iberia or any of the other ones that i actually like so it's not necessarily just pandemic base version but at the end of the day pandemic flashpoint they'd be interchangeable for me if someone was like which game do you want to play and i know that maybe it's anathema to you jason because <laughs> you'll go into that but um i'll let you pick because i don't care <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think, I think the flashpoint system is the flashpoint system, you know, like I, like it, it'd be hard to like make it not fires and make it not people like you could probably do it. Like they did it with dead men, 10, no tell no tales, but that was more fire. <laughs> it's like, just, yeah. you know, they just kind of they reiterate on the core concept of fire, but like the pandemic system can reiterate itself into Roman barbarians or to uh, whatever the Spanish diseases and cholera and all that kind of stuff and, and water, and it's so open-ended and flexible. I mean, people know who know anything about me that is my number one game of ever, you know, number one solo, number one co-op. Um, so, like, because they're so similar, I'm just going to give the edge to Pandemic because there's just more that can come out of that system. Like, And it, and honestly, that's pretty much the only thing that will separate them. So, I mean, if, if Anthony is going to flip that coin, then I'll just snatch the coin right out of his hand and say Pandemic and move on with my day. That's fair. That's what I figured. And I'm okay with that because there are versions of Pandemic that I legitimately really like. Um. All right. Well, the die went into the air. Jason snapped it from the air. And we are. Get out of here. I'm not, letting, I'm not leaving this a chance. <laughs> of course. Of course. We are now living in the darkest timeline. Pandemic number four moves on to the next round. Oh, baby. All right. Next up is a really good battle here. We have our number six seed. Sentinels of the Multiverse versus our number 11 seed, Burgle Brothers. So get your teams together, gentlemen. Which one do you pick? So Burgle Brothers is kind of a in that Forbidden series type game, you know, like Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island, like you no know, tile based and movement and but really, really thematic. I mean, I've, I I still play Burgle Brothers to this day. Another game you'll see on, on the shelf somewhere over here. Uh, I I really really like Burger Brothers. I'm looking forward to Burger Brothers Two, which we should be delivering. It got delayed by a year because of the whole COVID and the bottleneck in China and everything. So, I mean, I really dig Burger Brothers. However, 
I have even more Sentinels of the Multiverse. I have all of Sentinels. Do, do you want me to break my back lifting up this giant box? <laughs> this uh, do you want? Do you want me to do it? I'll, I'll do it if you want me to. You want to bring it on, Mix? I got it right here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you have it down there. Well, you have, I do. You have the, I do. The it. big, the big, uh, the big black box. No, I, I, I have, I have peace. Piece for piece here, so oh, you have like the come no 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 oh no here we go here we go here we go what did I do this this is how board gamers show throw down they're like this is oh my god look at this thing it's huge it's big oh man we should have had that on for last week's episode oh my god too big to play or. Love it. <laughs> I have everything for it. I have fan made expansions. I and they re, are they re, re, re releasing it this year? Yeah, they're doing a kind of like a smaller kind of like big box store kind of version of it. They like uh, what Gloomhaven did with uh, Draw the you know, Line. Joys of the Line. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> Haven't played it in a while. Like, or I played on the app. Because I yes. think the app really opened it up because of all the tracking. It keeps everything kind of in one place. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Anthony, talk while I catch my breath. All right. Well, I don't know if I'm, I might I might make the situation worse. I don't like Sentinels of the Multiverse. No, no. Like <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's. I've tried played it a few times. Um, it hit the table a fair amount when I first got into the hobby, and the tracking in that game, the amount of stuff you have to keep track of, the organization, the quality of the components early on. Honestly, even the artwork, I don't really like very much. I don't like any of that stuff. And the core mechanics are fine. And they can be enjoyable in certain cases, like some of the combos you get off and all that stuff. It's fun, but there's so many barriers to enjoying the game. It's just very, very rough for me. And I just never, you know, it's one of those things I could see being like, oh, I don't care about all this stuff because this core part is so amazing. But for me, the core part's fine and the rest of it's not. And so I don't really enjoy the game at all. Um, whereas Burgle Brothers, I like a lot. It's, like, it's one of those games I really enjoy. I have a copy. I have Burgle Brothers 2 coming. So... I have a feeling I'm going to be outvoted here, but my vote is for Burgle Brothers. I mean, I love Burgle Brothers. It makes my who who put these these uh, brackets together. I <laughs> hate voting against Burgle Brothers in the first round, but it's going to go set to the multiverse. So let's see, Chris, go ahead and break our tie. I own both of these games, so I can even pull out my Burgle Brothers if need be. Both of these are great games. I played both of these games actually solo. Uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse I picked up so long ago, and I of course dragged Anthony to play that. Everything Anthony's saying is correct about the the management and the upkeep with that. Uh, set, you know, Burgle Brothers plays a lot easier as a solo game. Um, the only thing I will say, though, is that Sentinels of the Multiverse, with their app and with a lot of the actual components that they've purchased, you know, I purchased over the... Like, I have the giant mat. I have a lot of the extra components and tracking and things like that. Um, it does move it up just an inch higher. So I'm going to break the tie here. And be the hero of the day and go with Sentinels of the Multiverse. Well done. All right. So our number six seat, Sentinels of the Multiverse, moves on to the next round. Next up is our three seed, Robinson Crusoe, versus our 14th seed, Zombicide, Black Plague. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, so Black Plague is on here as like the representative of the Zombicide verse, because there's like 15 of those <laughs> games. and. I still think it's the best of them. Um, I haven't played all of them, but it's the one I've enjoyed of them all. But Robinson Crusoe for me is 
it's it's one of those games that just rises above a lot of these other games. Not all of them, like Spirit Island's still my favorite co-op, but I actually really enjoy Robinson Crusoe from the first time I played it. And then the iterations of it over the years, the the way they've made it actually easy to learn now with the right rule books and the supplementals, all of the extra bonus content, the expansion content that's come out over the years. There's so much there. Like you could play this game hundreds of times and, and just not ever even see all the different combinations of things. And I have not come anywhere close to that. So yeah, Robinson Crusoe for me is, you know, it's in my top 100 games. And the only real way I play this game is solo because it is hard to get people together. So yeah, that's, that's my pick on this one. I actually think it's a kind of a, not a great cooperative game. I just don't think that in Robinson Crusoe, you have enough to do with each individual pawn, especially because it's based on your profession. So it's like, okay, I'm the builder. I'm going to build now. And that was my one pawn. All right, I'm good. <laughs> While everybody else gets to decide what to do. Uh, and so, but as a solo with the Friday the Dog and a couple other things, the, all, the, all the iterations, Mystery Tales, I thought was very, very good. Uh, and so I was like the this, this second big box expansion for it. And I mean, it, I just think Robinson Crusoe is very, very good. Um, Zombicide is Zombicide. Zombicide is even more cookie cutter dungeon crawl than Descent. Like I, I didn't, I didn't even know if that was possible, but I just don't like. I get why people. It's it's bubblegum fun. I get it, you know, but it's just not what I want. It's just, it's not what I want. So I mean, Robinson Crusoe all day. All right, that's our number three seed, Robinson Crusoe. Adventures on the Cursed Isle moves on to the next round. Next up is our number seven seed, Arkham Horror Third Edition. I believe this is would be the card game not versus our. Okay, it's a regular straight board game. Okay. Versus our number 10 game, Street Masters. All right. So uh, so I'm a pretty significant Sadler Brothers fan. They have a couple of games, Brook City, Alter Quest, just delivered this past year. And I like them. They have the same problem that Sentinels of the Multiverse does in that they are uh, very tracky and... Uh, you know, and especially Street Mash, which was the first one, it had like this pretty significant problem towards the middle to end game where it's just like moss, you know, like mobs all over the place. So for those who don't know, it's a fighting game and it's in a model of Streets of Rage or Double Dragon where you're just controlling fighters and there's like, you know, the, the Pez dispenser of enemies just shoots out at you and you have to like wade through that all and miss and miss the boss and everything. Um, so I I dig it. It's not my favorite Sadler Brothers game, but I dig it far more than Arkham Horror. What? Who? 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 How did I let that? This one get past me. I I thought it was Arkham LCG, so I'm like, okay, Arkham LCG, whatever. But like Arkham Third Edition, what? <laughs> it game stinks. <laughs> Woo! No, thank you. So uh, that's funny. By just by looking at it, I'm like, Ark, if it was Arkham Third Edition versus like any of these 63 games, I'm like, okay, <laughs> number 63. It happens to be Street Masters. You are lucky. Uh, you should have been horrified, man. Horrified should have been in here. <laughs> I can't argue with that logic, man. I'm with you. <laughs> so. Street Masters. All right, our number 10 seed, Street Masters, moves on to the next round. And finally, our last matchup for the co-op bracket here, our number two game, Gloomhaven, versus our number 15 game, Legends of Andor. Yeah, it's another big one punching down. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say this, Legends of Andor is a fantastic game. I love it because it is... I, I'm not a huge fan of adventure games. I just, 
I don't like just move over here. I'm going to search for a thing. Hey, I found a thing. I'm going to search over here. I'm going to search for a thing. I'm going to do this thing. And there's not, I don't know. It just, I, I would rather read a book than to play some of these games. They're just not much happens. And the story is not interesting enough to warrant a game. Right. Whereas legends of Andor kind of builds a puzzle into it where you're trying to solve the puzzle and do it the most efficient way. Cause you have a limited amount of time. And that's basically it. Like the story is not amazing or anything, but the overarching, you know, narrative across all the games that he's put out is interesting but gloomhaven is gloomhaven and you know especially with jaws of the lion which is much more accessible i think now um my big box is still sitting over there like at 30 percent completed but jaws of the lion it's easier to get out i don't have to wrestle with the whole thing so i gotta go with gloomhaven but i definitely wanted to give legends of andor some due because i love that game and um yeah it, it's one of those few co-op games that I, I do come back to over and over again and when there's new content i play it I can't stand Legends of Andor. That game stinks. I know. It is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is a massive puzzle disguised as an interesting game. And I understand if Anthony is so enthused in that, but there is a limit to that. And I feel like the things that you do in that in Legends of Andor are so unintuitive. And they're and you know, it actually like the like the biggest thing people complain about is like it the game punishes you for killing monsters. And I get you don't want a game that like just you hack and slash as Zombicide. Zombicide you hack and slash when you get like it's only good things happen. In this game, it is it punishes you basically every single time you kill a monster because it moves forward the round track. And it's like you can traipse along the entire you can do laps around the entire land. You can discover anything you want. But if I do this to an orc, then the sun rises and sets. I can't take it. There's no there's no <laughs> imagination imaginative hook in that game whatsoever it is so frustrating so like this is another one where it's like it could have been anything gloomhaven is wasting its time what are you doing no. slumming down here versus this paltry, <laughs> terrible game <laughs> on with you gloomhaven <laughs> enough of this legends of andor nonsense it's a great all game. right so it, it seems like despite all of that our number two seed gloomhaven will move on to the next round all right, so that's the end of our co-op bracket. Now on to our Euro game bracket. Anthony, why are you doing this, Jason? Why, 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 why? I, I've played I started, all these I games. Guess, Get out of here. Guess first, man. I I did the right thing. We started with uh, cooperative games. <laughs> you made me feel welcome, and now it's like, here you go. Yeah, Anything here's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Anything in particular why Euro games kind of stand out as solo games? I mean, they are generally puzzles of some kind, right? Like you have a certain set of components, you have a limited set of resources or time or rounds or whatever, and you have to do something with those things in that space. And that is a solo activity. <laughs> and it's and a lot of these games, like if you play them with other people, there's not a huge amount of interaction anyway. So you just have to replace what little interaction there is in the solo version and you're good to go. Right. The nature of the good solo Euro is that it's low interaction. Yeah. And so it's easy to replicate the interaction points, which is the design principle of the Automa when it first came out. And I think like, you know, I think we've kind of evolved sure. like, you know, Automas have evolved and like the Automa itself kind of it has evolved past it. But like the core principle of let me just get in the way at key points and 
and then that and then call it a solo bot and i think that key principle is still alive in a lot of solo games i am very disappointed in like recent bots because they just get more and more complicated like i it reaches a point where it's like when you're when your solo bot is longer than like your solo bot rule book is longer than the the actual rule book i'm good like i'm good You know, I, I'm <laughs> especially when your solo bot is like 18 cards or something, and then you have like a giant box and you have 18 cards, and it's like a whole set of rules, or like you know, a little cardboard chit and a die, and it's like eight rules or eight pages of rules. No, thank you. I'm good. But <laughs> if I love the game, then I'll then I might bother. Yes. Yeah, I, I think a lot of Euro games get hit because they are solitaire games. Like you just basically play by yourself so i guess it's an easy transition to the solo game market because you're already playing by yourself there's not a lot of like player interaction all the time so all right with that said let's get into the bracket so first up is our number one seed mage knight versus the number 16 seed dear god not the face not the face uh nations (laughs) (laughs) do we no no mas (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean again i built the bracket I, and this was relatively random it was based on the order that they were listed in the in the top 200 but nations is one of my favorite games it's in my top 20 i think and i primarily play it solo because if you play with other people it's like four hours long and it's way too long for what it is so i would not play that with more than two or three people anyways solo it's fantastic but mage knight is mage knight and it's just a brilliant game. And the, really the only way to play Mage Knight is solo. So it's basically just a solo game. So I, it's just like, you know, Spirit Island versus anything or Gloomhaven versus anything. You're like, well, I like Nations a lot, but Mage Knight. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is one of those things like you, you get it in like wrestling tournaments where it's like you got to give the loser more shine because it's boring to talk about the winner. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so speaking of losers, nations. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, I like nations a lot. Nations is an underrated game, undersupported, uh, and I, I do miss that there are more like big daring save games. Like we haven't had a really good daring save game in a long time. Tapestry does not count. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not. It's just that that game's a board game with a tech tree. Like I'm talking about a Civ game, and Nations is definitely that. Um, I'd rather play it through the ages, which is not here because there is no official solo. Plenty of unofficial solos. Um, but this is a quality game. But that is not on my shelf. I got Mage Knight Ultimate Edition sitting right up there, and is that is where it's going to stay. So Mage Knight for me. All right. So not a surprise here. Mage Knight, our number one seed, moves on to the next round. Next up, our number eight seed. At the gates of Loyang versus our number nine seed, Anachrony. Hmm. Okay. Actually, uh, we'll go back and forth on this one because we've been doing that. Um, so Anachrony is one of those examples that I was thinking of when I was talking about like complicated bots, right? So like there's a there comes a point where you just get tired of learning the bot. And like I the game has to be really, really, really good in order to kind of get me over that barrier. And Anachrony is one of the few games with complicated bots where the game is good enough to make me want to learn that bot, learn the Chrono bot, uh, get into the mind of David Tersey, who is, I think, probably the preeminent solo designer at this point, right? I think he has kind of like, you know, just as his approach, he's, I think he's the person that has, that, that evolved the Automa 
into something that is a little bit more kind of feedbacky to what the player is doing while still remaining some semblance of simplicity. It's not simple at all, but like at least it's it's penetratable on some level. And Anachrony is just a really, really, really fun uh, worker placement game with a really cool motif. And they're like, dude, you get this like kind of time travel or windy thing going on. Uh, what was the number eight seed? At the gates of Loyang. So uh, I'm getting a lot of flack for this, but who cares? <laughs> Anachrony. Oh. <laughs> Uve cares, man. Uve. <laughs> Uve cares. Um, all right. So I guess I'll speak up for At the Gates of Loyang because I love Anachrony and I agree with everything you said. So I'm not, no disagreement there. I think Anachrony has one of the better solo bots for a Euro period. And I thought that when it came out and then the updates to it in the new version, even better. Uh, At the Gates of Loyang, though, as far as it, you know, solo euro euro farming euros go is one of the better ones because it it gives you a lot of options but it's not just a high score race you're trying to reach a certain point and it's relatively difficult to do that um it's lightweight it's relatively quick to play you don't have to set up this big sprawling mess of boards to play it like a lot of other uve games and the tableau of cards that comes out um where you're purchasing the cards from uh is an interesting mechanic to work around how the cards normally work in that game I really like it a lot. I I do struggle with this one a little bit because I they're I think they're very close in my own personal list. Um, I think the one that I'm going to give the edge to though is the one that I actually play more often because it's easier to get out. And that infinity box definitely dings anachrony a little bit because that thing is never coming out anymore. <laughs> it's going to take three hours to set up. <laughs> there comes a so, point where your brain becomes too big. Like it's too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I'm going to go with that to get to the loyer. Yeah, I, I think at the risk of, you know, uh, I guess a broken back or Anthony killing himself trying to lift that box like Jason just did recently. Uh, I mean, I, I I have both these games. I don't have the Super Infinity box, but I, I do have Anachrony. I do enjoy both of the games. Uh, for me as a solo player, I'm not really a solo gamer, but as a solo player, as Jason was mentioning throughout, I don't like to have to learn a whole other game just to play the bot. And I don't like the bot's turn to take more time than my turn. And that's what I feel like when I play Anachrony. So um, if I'm going to play solo, it's going to be at the gates of Loyang. Our number eight seed moves on to the next round. All I right. Actually, I, I'm not against that. I completely agree with that. I just felt like, I mean, I'm not an Uwe person anyway. I just feel like his games are very kind of sedate and flat. They don't do a lot for me. So that's my bias. And like Anacrity does violate my rule of of complicated solo bots only because the game is really good. So I I have so many caveats that it's like I can't defend. <laughs> please take my caveats, please. <laughs> so that's cool. all right. All right. So again, uh, our number eight seed at the gates laying moves on to the next round. Next up, our number five seed Gaia Project versus our number twelve seed La Granja. All right. Yeah, Lagranja, I played solo once and it was good. I I but the thing about Lagranja too is like in general that game, it's good, it's fine. There's a lot going on, there's a lot of tracking. The solo game is is a good implementation of that. Uh, but it doesn't I don't know, it just didn't feel completely satisfying to me. It felt more like I'm practicing the game, which is what a lot of solo Euros end up feeling like. I'm practicing the game. Uh Gaia Project has a bot an automa and it is pretty streamlined in general it's fairly straightforward i mean for a game this heavy it's pretty streamlined uh it's a small deck of cards and it tells you various things you have to do and 
I enjoy it quite a bit. It's not, it's like two or three pages of rules. It's not crazy considering, you know, the 25 page rule book that it's attached to. And it is one of my favorite euros anyways. So I'm going to go with Gaia project. It's probably the best Automa Automa factory bot. Cause they make a lot of stuff. And I think that the degree of difficulty in making a bot for a game like this was pretty high. And they came up with some really ingenious ways of cramming a lot onto the cars. Like the cars do a lot of work and just the way they kind of, you know, you, cause it doesn't just, it doesn't just flip and move. Like you have to kind of put them together and they, and they come to get, it comes together so, so well. I'm not a, I mean, Kai project is like Kai project. It's it's tough because like that it's that terra mystica like you know why am i doing this this doesn't really make sense <laughs> i'm like moving the thing into the thing and the thing of the thing of the thing and i'm doing 17 things and i end up with like one hex or like one little you know thing or whatever like that's what terra mystica was and guy probably didn't feel that much different however la granja is like la siesta like <laughs> i'm hecky <laughs> That game, that game is nothing. Like I feel like I played that game once, and I I, I feel like I that hour of my life disappeared, just like into nothing. I don't remember it at all, without any flavoring whatsoever. So Guy Project, I'll give it to you. <laughs> just you make more modern Red Pet isn't happy. I'm very, I'm happy to do that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So our number five seed Guy Project moves on to the next round. Next up, the number four seed, A Feast for Odin. Versus the number 13 seed, it's on Jason's left of Obsession. Ooh, Obsession. Uh, actually, this is my right shoulder, so. Oh, my left, your there right. You there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll just like, I'll speak quickly about Obsession because I know where Anthony's going with uh, <laughs> uh for Oda, but like Obsession's a very, very cool, um, I guess like it's a super thematic light Euro. Um, and it's hard to call it your because there's a lot of randomness. Like there's a lot of randomness that comes out like because you get a, a a river of tiles, you get cars that you draw, and the servants you have to kind of coordinate this because there's like there's three different like resource streams that have to come together in order to play that game well, and they that's hard. Like and and you could get kind of hosed by what's happening. Um, the solo bot, I think they've had a couple of stabs at it, and it's like you know, it's just it's nothing really sexy about it. It's just like okay, here, let me take something away and like just play the regular game. And there's different modes to it, but the theme, oh, the theme! I actually got my wife to play half a game of Obsession because she watches Bridgerton. Nice. <laughs> and like she's like, this game's too complicated for me, but this is a really cool looking game. <laughs> my wife doesn't game at all. Um, so I will speak for Obsession just to just to get it in there. But I'm going to hand it off to Anthony because I have a, I have a feeling I know which way he's going to vote. So here's the thing. Feast oh. for Odin is like in my top 10 games of all time. I play it solo all the time. But as far as a solo game, it doesn't do anything. You're just playing the game by yourself and you swap the meeples back and forth. It's the bare basic minimum of an Uwe Rosenberg solo game. He doesn't do anything differently. Whereas at Gates of Liang, he tweaks the rules a little bit to make it work um, with the card uh, tableau. This one is just like, you put some meeples out, and then the next round, those spots are not available. Okay, right? And so I like playing it because I just enjoy the flow of this game. But right. it, it almost feels like taking any random euro off my shelf and just multi-handing it, right? Like, it's not significantly different than doing that. I'm actually going to go with Obsession here because I think it's it's more interesting as a solo game. It has oh. a bot. 
it's a fantastic wow. game anyways. It's up there on my list. And I know, I know everybody's surprised because there was years there where I would just pick Feast for Odin for anything just to troll Chris. Anything, but... anything. <laughs> it was, I think and it, it was is like still in my first, top 10, but. It was the first table for one episode that was like, okay, I'm reviewing this game and that's it. Like, that's all you get, yeah. people. Just a Feast for Odin review. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, again, it's one of my all-time favorite games. I absolutely love it. I just played it this last weekend, actually, solo. But, it, yeah, it's it's not a great solo experience. So if someone's listening to this, like, wow. whoa, what games are good to play solo? I'm like, not this. And it's gotten a little bit, the game itself has gotten better with the expansion, but the solo version has not really, because you score higher with the expansion pieces, right? And so the rule book is like, if you're playing solo, try to hit this score, which is what he does. Try to hit 100 points. That's a good score. And before, you're like, sometimes you would, sometimes you wouldn't. And now, you guaranteed always will. I'm hitting like 120, 130 every time. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like going bowling by yourself. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I got a score. Um, but Obsession, it, it's different. It's interesting. The theme, like you said, is amazing. And I do love that theme just, you know, as a literature nerd. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Obsession. Wow. I know. All right. Our number 13 seed, Obsession, moves on to the next round. Next up, it's our number six seed, Underwater Cities, versus our number 11 seed, Clans of Caledonia. All right. Uh, This one's actually really hard. I love both of these games. Um, So the thing, let's start with Underwater Cities, because Underwater Cities is... Uh, it, it does a thing similar to Terraforming Mars where you are playing the game just as you would normally play it. You don't really tweak much about it, except there's one piece moving around blocking spots for you. So there's certain spots not available as you play. And if you have the expansion, there's also boards that are specifically for solo play, which is nice because you get like some different types of boards, but now they're not you know the crazy ones that you would play with multiplayer. And you're trying to hit certain marks and it's re- legitimately difficult to do. So it does feel like Terraforming Mars in that way. You, like you have to complete these certain objectives. You have to have seven cities out. You have to hit a certain point value, depending on which version of the game you're playing, what expansions you're playing. It's difficult. It makes you want to sit and play it again because you're like, I almost got it and I didn't quite get there. Um, and, and that's not something you get in a lot of these solo games. So it's really good for that reason. Uh, Clans of Caledonia doesn't really have any of that. You block a bunch of spaces and then you play through it solo. And the thing I love about Clans of Caledonia solo is you can play it in like 15 minutes. <laughs> like It's this big sweeping Euro. It takes two hours to play, but you can knock it out in 15 minutes um, because you're just taking all of your actions that you would take in a full five round game all at once, occasionally taking income in between. So it does end up feeling more like a practice game. Underwater Cities feels like an actual solo game. So I love both these games. They're both like the top half of my top 100, but Underwater Cities is a better solo game for me. Having played Kansas Caledonia, I adore Wonderwater City, so I'm just going to have to go with that. All right. Our number six seed, Underwater Cities, moves on to the next round. Next up, our number three seed, Scythe, versus our number 14 seed, Lisboa. Okay. So Scythe is, if we're just talking base Scythe, Right. With like, you know, maybe some player powers and everything. I think that Scythe is, I think the community is right. It's a little bit overrated. You know, I, I just feel like, you know, I there's groups that play it and they play it and they play it, they play it. Right. And I, I have some groups like locally. I was like, what are we doing today? <laughs> Try to take over the world and play Scythe. 
and that's what we do. And I just like I like Scythe well enough. I love the Rise of Fenris, and I know you love Rise of Fenris as well, Chris. Um, so, but I can't include that in the rating for this because we're talking about Scythe, and I think Scythe, like the reason why Rise of Fenris was good, was the story, and it's kind of you know it's good to, as a group experience and all that kind of stuff. I think as a solo game, and I love what Morton did with the bot. I mean, the bot is a really neat little amoeba like spreading out bot. It's just. It's, you know, it's, it's like a seven, you know, and I just don't think it deserves like the, that really high praise. And I'm surprised that it's kind of endured this long. Um, the, what was the other game we talked about? Lisboa. Lisboa is so good. It's my favorite Lacerda. It's, it really is like, and I haven't gotten a chance to, to really plumb the steps, but I love the historical integration. I love the, you know, what Ian O'Toole did with just the whole presentation of it and just sinking into it, just like really deceptively simple worker placement. And just, you know, um, like, cause it feels like a bigger game. Like it feels like a really hefty thing. It's a huge box and it comes, you go down there, but like, I be it, like the, and the thing for me was the theme really helped it be simple. Like it makes sense. It's like, you need stone to build a building. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not just like putting a polyomino in a space and calling it conquering <laughs> this, that, that makes no sense to me. I'm not just like running around the board 17 times and not taking any time. That makes no sense to me, but I'm building a building out of stone. Sure, <laughs> or, or or whatever it is that you're doing in Lisboa. So uh, there's just so much to love about it. I'm really, it's one of those things where it's like an underrated game is meeting an overrated game for me. And it's like, there's no question which one's going to win. So Lisboa for me. Yeah, I, I I think I could mirror pretty much everything you said there. I really enjoyed Scythe when it first came out. I got really cold on it over the following years. I have not played Rise of Fenris, so I'm still very cold on Scythe. Um, and it's to the point where I'm like, I know I should play Rise of Fenris because it really says it's so great, and I just don't feel like getting into it. I've really had a lot of trouble with that bot, too. I, I like, I love it, but every time I play it, I'm like, what are the stupid movement rules again? Because <laughs> like, there's there's like three pages of movement rules, and I'm like, I can't remember them all. So it's annoying. Um, Lisboa, though, yeah, it, it's a beautiful game. It's it's fantastic. I love all of Lacerda's solo modes. They're very clever uh, and, they, and they're a fun way to play the game. And it's not just like your typical Euro high score rush. You know, there's actually something that's working against you. So I'm I'm going to go with Lisboa here as well. All right. Our number 14 seed, Lisboa, in the dramatic upset, moves on to the next round. That next was like, a, it was like a, an overrated, like Duke or something like that. Just showing in there, the, like people are betting on Duke because their name is Duke, but they have actually no good players. Because, and it's yeah. like, <laughs> or that particular year or something. It's like, okay, they're getting upset by Gonzaga. Here you go. Done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next matchup is our number seven seed, News Ford, versus our number 10 seed, Everdell. Ooh. Everdell, I love Everdell so much. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know if it's Anthony's quite type of game because it's a very light game. It's a very light game. It's very, um, you know, it's not that hard to kind of plumb its depths. It's a we are worker placement engine building. I just filmed a playthrough for it for the One Stop Co-op Shop, uh, which will be coming up on this Thursday for the Spirecrest expansion. I have, you know, basically. Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. It's right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and I uh, completely adore. I completely adore Everdell, everything about it. And so, like, I have a hard time. Uh, I, I mean, I guess because it's in the Euro category, and I can understand why 
you put it there as opposed to the other categories because I don't think of this as a Euro so much because it's so lucky and it's so like dependent on card draw and everything. I just don't associate that. Um, but as a game, just as a just as a pure game, like Everdell, I could be voting for that all the time. So Everdell for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about New Spirit on the other side. Um, I do love Everdell. I have everything. I'm currently trying to decide whether to spend more money on stuff for it, but uh, it is a beautiful game and I love it. Newsfjord is, it's like taking everything about Uwe Rosenberg and boiling it down into like half the length of a typical game. Just two resources, very straightforward worker placement. Uh, for some people, that doesn't work because it's too far boiled down and it's still expensive. Uh, for me, it works really well. I enjoy it quite a bit. And the solo mode is one of those ones, like I talked about Clans of Caledonia, where you can play it in like 15 minutes, then reset and go again. And so when I set that one up, I'll play it three or four times in a row because it's quick. You can try things again. And it's actually up there with at the gates of Luoyang for me with like Uve games that I will play solo over and over again. Um, I think Everdale is a better game overall, but I think for me, Nusfjord is in a more enjoyable solo game. Obviously, for if I'm going to break the tie here, I guess as Anthony mentioned before, Everdale is a little more thematic, a little more engaging. Um, Nusfjord tends to be one of Uve's kind of like again bit of boiled down uh euro game that that we've kind of seen before and again if it's between the two um i'm always going to pull everdale out i may not pull the tree out but i'm definitely pulling everdale out because i'm never going to pull that tree out again what a yeah plastic it's there as a demo tool like if because i demoed this game at pax i think you guys stopped by the booth or or maybe yes there you go and you know people what they the, the tree turned people's heads it does once their heads are turned put that tree away because it's useless yeah (laughs) but (laughs) as a tool to turn people's heads i cannot take anything away from it yeah and it's just there's there's more interesting combinations whatever dell i mean the deck is very large like you said anthony i mean is one of those situations where it's like news for it's a good game everdell is a more interesting game because of the combinations but jason as you said it is a lucky combination game. Did you get the, what you needed to match up for the objective? Maybe you didn't or didn't, but every time I play Everdell, I always have a different combination of success. So that means our number 10 seed, Everdell, moves on to the next round. Wow, a lot of upsets this bracket. All right, and our final matchup for our Euro game bracket is our modern-day classic, our number two seed, Terraforming Mars, versus the classic of classic Euro games, our number 15 seed, Castles of Burgundy. Ooh, okay. Um, so Castles of Burgundy didn't even have a solo mode until like very recently, an official one, until one of those, um, whatchamacallit, the calendars. And then they put it in the new version. It comes with the new version, the prettier but not prettier version that they released not too long ago. And it's good. It's pretty good for a solo version of a game. Like Stefan Feld's clue been thinking about this as games start are starting to implement them more. But Terraforming Mars is just an amazing take on solo play because it was never like it it does the trick of it's the same game, but there's goals you have to hit. So you can lose. And that is a thing that all of these things are trying to do, and most of them don't pull it off. They're either high score races, or they just constrict you some way, or they change the, all the rules and throw a bot at you, and you have to learn a new rule book. Terraforming Mars is just like, play the game for this many rounds, and if you hit these goals, you win. And if you do not, you lose. And that's it. And I love it. I've played it like at least 100 times. So it's easily Terraforming Mars. 
I've, I have the app and I've been playing a lot of the Terraformer Mars app. Uh, just, you know, it's nice to be able to like, you know, whip out a nice quick solo game just like really quickly. And even when I had the board game, I did a thing because we did that episode where we talked about the strategy in Evernetis Game Night of, of the of the Terraforming Mars thing. And I just wanted to feel, I felt like beating with every corporation. So I just did it. I beat it with every corporation. It's like trying to figure out the different moves and strategies and everything. Meteors. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Terraform Mars, like that is a, it's a really, really great game. Uh, and I know it's, it's one of those games that's like, it's so lauded that it's maybe a little bit overrated at this point, but, and I feel, I know people who do not like it, but I come back to it and it's like, you know, even if I think like, oh, is this a really good game? I want to play it again. So no, Terraform Mars all day. All right, that means our number two C, Terraforming Mars, moves on to the next round. Our next bracket is heavy games and war games. So, Anthony, what are we looking at here? Yeah, it's a bit of a grab bag. Uh, so, there's some Euros <laughs> You got to make four some, categories. You got to make four buckets. got to figure make, that out. Yeah. And, you know, we're not a war game podcast, and Jason, you're not a war gamer, so we couldn't just, like, go get all the war games that play solo. But there are a few in here that either I've played or I know that you've played or just generally that are highly rated. So we're going to talk about a few. But yeah, these are heavier things. These are war games. These are like longer, more involved types of things. Different types of solo takes, but we'll we'll get to them. <laughs> All right. So let's start off our bracket with our number one seed, Root, versus our number 16 seed, Roads and Boats. I've never played Roads and Boats. I had Travis Hill on, who is a huge Roads and, uh, Roads and Boats fan, talking about the game on my show, Shelf Stories, which is my new YouTube channel. Uh, sounds like fun, but Root is just kind of best in class at this point. There's so much stuff for it. And what I, what I appreciate about Root more than anything is like the asymmetric factions allow different play styles. And you can like, hey, you like to you know, have a bunch, control a bunch of characters, control the board here, take this. And you like to play one character that arts and not play this. And you like an extra challenge of like, you know, the, you know, kind of keeping things in sequence, play this, or you like, you know, so like it, it kind of like has something for everybody and it somehow works. So, I mean, and it's cute. It's cute as all heck. So then like root is just, it's such a, such it's, it's something for everybody in root. I don't love it solo, you know, I, cause I think, uh, or at least I didn't love the 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 package bot. I know they've released like a, they've since released like the bigger better bot project or something like that. Uh, so I haven't played any of those bots, but I'll take people's word for it that they're good. I just think that Root's an excellent game. So Root all day. Roads and boats. Sorry, I haven't played you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually reviewed the Clockwork expansion last week. Uh, the the first version, not obviously not the second one's coming in the next Kickstarter, and it is a significant improvement over that initial just the the cat bot. Um, it, not only because you have four of them to choose from, so you can play a solo game with any of the factions and just throw in enough bots to make it balanced, but that they're more streamlined and more straightforward. But so as a solo game, I think it does work finally. It did not before, and the fan versions were better than what came in the box. But as a game, this is my number two game of all time. I love this game. I will play this anytime, anywhere, almost with anyone. There are some exceptions, but. It, with And then with the number of factions we have now, we have 10 different factions, plus the hirelings that you're going to throw in there. There's thousands of possible combinations. And I've yet to have a game where I'm like, I don't really like this faction. I don't want to play this one anymore. I'll play any of them. I don't care. They're great. Um, maybe the cats are boring. I don't know. But everything else is amazing. So yeah, root, root all day. Uh, 
and that's not to say that you know roads and boats is a bad game i love roads and boats um i've played it solo once it's a pure sandbox type of thing where you're just doing whatever to exchange various things for other things so it's a bit of a puzzle at the end of the day um but the the focus of root the theming of root and all the variability just make it one of the best games ever made all right so that means our number one seed root moves on to the next round next up is our number eight seed comancheria (laughs) versus our number nine seed thunderbolt apache leader yeah, some fun ones in here to, to try to, to, to spell out. Comancheria is one of those games that I, I picked up at some point where I was like, I'm a solo gamer. This is new. I'm going to play this. And 10 hours later, I'm like, <laughs> what I need a nap. <laughs> it's so long. But it is also amazingly good. It's really good. I wish I played it more often because then I wouldn't have to read the rules again. But it's it's the kind of game you, you put out like if you have multiple tables it's the kind of game you'd put out and set out maybe play a couple hours every lunch or evening or whatever for like a week <laughs> maybe to get through it but um it's you know war games are fun and interesting but the theming's always just like eh, i don't know this one is you know it, it does a lot of work to make sure that the theme is accurate and interesting and not you know all whitewashed to the point of making you uncomfortable or just clearly being historically inaccurate um it's interesting and i like this one a lot so uh commentary is someone i actually kept despite the fact that i probably never get around to learning those rules again but it's good i'm actually i've I played neither of these games but on behalf of liz davidson from beyond solitaire i'm going to vote for thunderbolt apache leader one of her favorite games all right well i've i've never played either of these games <laughs> Uh, I guess Anthony so, gets it because he's the only one that's played anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and, we'll go to Anthony. And I think Anthony wins here just based on the fact that I've clearly butchered the name. And again, I have to pay a, a penance for this. So Comancheria, the rise and fall of the Comanche, Comanche Empire, uh, moves on to the next round. Next up is our number five seed, Leaving Earth, versus our number 12 seed, Conflict of Heroes, Awakening the Bear. Anthony, you're gonna you're you're all over this one. Okay. <laughs> all right. So on one hand, we have Leaving Earth, which is a space simulation, a space race simulation, I guess. And then on the other hand, Conflict of Heroes, which is a pure war game, uh, and Awakening the Bear is an expansion for that that turns it into a solo war game. Leaving Earth is, I'll just say that flat out, like upfront, that's my favorite of these. Um, it's a pure simulation. Lots of math. Lots of just trying to figure out the best sequence of things. Uh, You're going to fail at certain times or not if you don't want to, but it really is like, this is what it took to get a rocket off the ground, right? With the expansions, you get into like a little bit of sci-fi almost because it's like going to the outer planets, Um, you know, maybe sending some probes out there, but like a little bit more that you can do there. It's a beautiful game. It's ridiculously hard to find though. I I still don't think anybody picked this up for publication. It's like self-published. Conflict of Heroes is amazing. It's a really well done solo implementation on top of a war game. I'm just not a huge war gamer. Like I had this at one point. I played it. I was like, that's very good. I don't like it. I just don't like playing simulations of real world wars, you know? Um, So for me, it's Leaving Earth. uh, But both of these are very good. If you do like war games, Conflict of Heroes is very solid and accessible. It's not as heavy and dense as like a GMT. We're going Anthony on this one as well. 
like the Euro, the Euro game I will play because it's like kind of low interaction. That's kind of also in my style. But these games, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that means our number five seed, Leaving Earth, moves on to the next round. Next up is our number four seed, PAX Premier Second Edition, versus our number 13 seed, On Mars. Anthony? So PAX Premier <laughs> Second Edition was my game of the year a couple years ago. It's another Cole Worley game and uh who also designed root it is fantastic it's a beautiful game it's the production is amazing and the rule tweaks that were made from the first edition are significant and really really make the game sing i don't really like the solo version of it very much i know some people really love it i didn't enjoy it very much because this is a game all about interaction it's like how you interact with each other it's how these cards you have there's literal assassins in the game where you can destroy other people's cards through careful manipulation of your actions and that's still there, but it's just not as interesting. On Mars is Vitalis Erda's heaviest Euro. And again, we talked about with Lisboa, those bots or his versions, the Lacerda bot or whatever he calls them, they work. It's engaging. It's interesting. And this game, it, it jumped up to the top of my list, near the top of my list of Lacerda games uh, when it came out last year. Um, and I've played it several times this year solo, which is a rarity for his games because they are big and sprawling and take up a lot of space. So I love both of these. Pax Binger is one of my favorite all around games, but on Mars for solo for me. All right. So our number 13 pick on Mars moves on to the next round. I will say, I'll, I'll jump in here for a second. Lacerda games are great and Lacerda games solo modes are great. This is my favorite Lacerda solo mode. There's just something about On Mars that it just plays into that whole theme that you really do feel like this solitaire kind of explorer out there on your own trying to make the best out of that kind of like hair tight situation. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the solo mode here. All right. Next up is our number six seed, Zaya, Legends of a Drift System, Anthony's all-time favorite game. And our number 11 seed, 1862, Railway... <laughs> mania in the eastern counties anthony try to for once dear god for once try not to act biased we know you love zaya it's your game show, show everybody your tattoo come on show everybody your tattoo quick <laughs> oh you have a minute there no all right fine it, Get it's just embers a forsaken star expansion zaya will treat you much better uh it was one of it was a kickstarter game it was an early kickstarter game uh and <laughs> it was the like it was like a like the the designer fever dream type thing of like, I'm going to have an open world and we're going to explore everything and you're going to turn over one tile and you're going to get burned up in the sun and you're going to all sorts of wonderful things are going to happen. And like in practice, it's like, whoa, <laughs> we can't really kind of handle this. And Embers of a Forsaken Star kind of like coalesced a lot of things and just, you know, kind of just gave it shape and gave it like, you know, some guardrails. And it just, it's a much better game. And so, like, I again, I have not, I, it's a weird pairing. I'm wondering why <laughs> this is kind of the, the bucket uh, over here. Uh, but the fact that I have played Zion, I do enjoy the, the newer versions of Zaya. Uh, I'm going to have to give this one a nod over here. Yeah, I've played it twice. I played it with Chris four years ago. Um, one of the worst gaming experiences of my life. And, <laughs> and that's not because, because of Chris. I won. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Not his fault at all. Um, many, many other things. But 
And then I played it again about a year ago, actually, maybe a little more than a year ago, obviously more than a year ago. And it, it was like local friends saying like, you got to give it one more chance. The expansion, the expansion, the expansion. I played it. It's better. I still hate it. So it, <laughs> it went from like a two to a four, maybe. Um, I, I've never, I'll never I, I understand the feeling. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just, it's not for me. And that's fine. Like I played it. I'm like, it's cool guys. I'm glad you love it. Just don't invite me to this kind of game ever again. Um, 1862, I got into 18xx games last year, or I guess two years ago now. That's another genre that's not for everybody. That's for a very small number of people. This is one of the very few, maybe only 18xx games with a solo mode. And that alone makes it popular because you can play it solo. It's not great, but it works. But I have to vote for it because it's not Zaya. So Chris, you choose. <laughs> Ah, uh, this is this is this is Sophie's choice here. I don't know. I love both of these games so very much. <laughs> I, I've played Zaya. I have not played Solo, so I can't speak to that. I haven't played 18, 1862. I haven't played eight, any of the eighteen double X games because just generally they are, you know, scary. They're just scary out there. I, and again, a solo mode of that would be a, a little more challenging as far as that's concerned. So again, going based upon zero information here, and and just for the fun of it, I'm going to go with Zaya, Legends of Atrisa. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> I did a thing in this bracket. Yay. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> All right, next up is our number three seed, Navajo Wars, versus our number 14 seed, Gandhi, the decolonization of British India, 1917 to 1947. Go for it, my friend. Yeah. You love how I put the whole title in there? Like, uh, you're going to read all of this. <laughs> and I didn't see this in advance. So, yeah, that's 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 the thing. Uh, yeah, so Navajo Wars is very much like Comanchery. I think same designer, actually. Uh, just approaching a, a theme that's outside of the typical war game sphere. It's very good. Gandhi, however, as a coin game, um, and there's like 12 or 13 of these coin games now, but generally all the coin games are war games. This one is different because it has this idea of peaceful resistance within, like it's a political take on the coin system, which is just brilliant. And the solo version, while kind of heavy, there's a lot of overhead to it. Like, and any of these coin games have a lot of overhead. So Cuba Libre or, you know, any of those types of things, Andean Abyss. But if you get through that and feel comfortable playing it, you know, like any GMT type of game, it's just so good. So good. And I, I knew it would be when it first got up on the P500. I pre-ordered it way in advance, and I'm really glad I did. Because just the sheer, like, to even think of that, like, let's make a war game, but it's not actually about war. It's about this really particular time in history and, like, these political powers and peaceful resistance in India. And uh, it's so good. So, yeah, Gandhi for me. All right, so our number 14 seed, Gandhi, the decolonization of British India, 1917 to 1947, moves on to the next round. All right, next up is our number seven seed, Space Corps, 2025 to 2300 AD, up against Tricarion. Difficult choice over here. Um, I really adore Space Corps. I think Space Corps is a really fun game. It's it occurs. Another one of those games that's like deceptively long. <laughs> you get the box, it's like mostly cards, but then you, you get into it and it's like there's a phase one, there's a phase two, there's a phase three. And another one of those games, like what Anthony was saying, 
you wish you'd play it more because then you'd remember. And like, it's a fun game when you remember it, but then you, you bust it out after a year. It's like, how does this go? <laughs> you know, I don't know what's exactly happening here, but as a card based, uh, you know, card engine based exploration system, you know, uh, but that has that propulsion idea, like you're always pushing out and, you know, whatever it is, you know, colonizing and everything. And the, the, the sense like it gives a great sense of like expansion so like by the time you reach that third era you're like moving six thousand trillion light years and you're exploring the edge of the known space and everything and i i fall for the magic trick and it's cool and like it has there's a good card base engine uh under that uh so that's excellent um tricarion i've only played a couple of times and tricarion uh, you know, it's like it's doing some cool things, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of sizzle, not a ton of steak, you know, under there. Like I just it's one of the mind clash games where I mean, I believe it, there's some mind clash games I love. You see Cerebria up here, which is an unfortunate, you know, not uh, not represented here. If there was a any mind clash game, I would I would definitely choose Cerebria over all of them, even in Acrony. Tricarion, I, I just felt like, you know, I just didn't get a soul. I didn't get right, I didn't really get why I was doing what I was doing. It was just kind of like doing a bunch of stuff and it was really pretty you know, with a cool, a coolish theme, but I just didn't get, I didn't resonate with me. So space course, an easy uh, goal uh, choice here. Yeah. I, I think I'm in the same boat. Um, I played Tricarion once. Uh, Chris showed me how to play. We played a two player game um, like last year, the year before. And it's very good. I really enjoy it quite a bit. Like uh, mind clash games are a little bit tough for me sometimes because like Cerebra, you talk about what you like. I had the opposite reaction. I didn't like that game very much. And in, just because there's a lot and it doesn't feel like it's filed yeah, it's down or edited or filtered in a way. And it's all their games are like this. And so sometimes it really works for some people and sometimes it really doesn't. Um, and your carry on leans on the does, but there's a lot there. So I just haven't been able to wrap my head around getting all that back out, relearning the game, relearning the solo. And now same problem as I have with anachrony. It comes in a giant box because I got all the extra expansions now. And I'm like, eh, unpack all this and it's too much. Um <laughs> Uh, on the flip side, we got Space Core. Everything you said is correct. I love this game. I do wish I played it more for that exact reason. So I'm going to go with Space Core as well. All right. So it seems Space Core is moving on to the next round. I will mention, though, I am a big Mind Clash fan, and Tricarion is my my favorite Mind Clash game. And I actually do play that solo. I think the Dalgar's Academy expansion really adds a lot to the game and really just bulks up that in a really good way. So. Uh, if you haven't tried that, definitely try out the expansion because I think it it does add to the game uh, dramatically for a solo element. All right, our final matchup for the heavy game and war game bracket is our number two seed Nemo's War versus our number fifteen seed D Day at Omaha Beach. What a dude! This is weird. This is such a <laughs> <laughs> such a weird weird bracket uh d-day um it's one of those kind of hoary old designs that it's like people are gonna get mad at me and I, I don't know if there's a lot of crossover i don't know if the solo like the one player guild because they kind of are very fond of this game uh is they're gonna cross over but it really is old it's, it's, it shows its age um and i just don't i feel like it's, it's long for no reason and like or like it's it's lengthened by the dicedness of it like you know okay just because it's long does it mean <laughs> doesn't mean i want to sit there rolling dice for four hours um but uh, nemo's war has dice oh it has dice oh yeah but <laughs> shorter shorter time frame and a much more 
integrated story, hugely thematic, victory point games. Definitely the, the DNA is there. I have Nemo's War. Oh, there it is right there. Right there, and uh, very happy to keep that in my uh, in my collection uh, as a cool kind of dice based adventure game. Uh, um, you know, I wonder what's going to happen with like now that victory points is kind of like no longer exists as in anything, and we'll see if we get like you know further content for it, like little expansions and everything. But for the most part, uh, yeah. So no, Nemo's War all day. Yeah, I agree. Nemo's War is fantastic. I've had it forever. I finally got it to the table over the summer uh this it's a bear year. to learn <laughs> it's a deceptive yeah. bear to learn i don't like it i don't like that part I, anyway. it was my third attempt to learn the game the first time i was like like set it up look at the rules i'm like i don't want to do this <laughs> and like we at were this talking point, about they, reviewing it on every night's game night for like a long yeah. time we we're like we're gonna get to this i swear we never got to it yeah no the, the benefit now is that they've run three kickstarters and there are a bunch of videos to learn the game so you don't have to read the rule book if you don't want to which i did not do and it was great but yeah, I'm going to go with that one as well. Uh, that game's fantastic. All right. Well, that wraps up our bracket here. We move on to our final bracket, Lighter Fair and Card Games. So there's actually good solo games here, Anthony? Yeah, lots of them. Actually, this is the one I had to pare down the most. Uh, like I built this list uh, just pulling together everything that I thought at least one person had played <laughs> and everything. And uh, this one was the much longest one I had to cut down the most. All right, so let's get started off with our first matchup, our number one seed, Marvel Champions, the card game, versus our number 16 seed, Fleet, the dice game. All right, yeah, so I love both of these games. Fleet, the dice game is my favorite roll and write. I think it feels like a full game, which almost no roll and write pulls off effectively without becoming crazy long. And unfortunately, it's up against Marvel Champions, which is becoming my favorite LCG at this point. Like, I really enjoy this game a lot. I've bought all the content for it, and I just get sucked into it and replaying and replaying and replaying all these different new heroes to try to, you know, work. Basically, there's not even a story in the game at this point. Uh, except for like the little red skull thing, which is not much of a story, but yeah, I know yeah, it's not great, um, but I'm not a theme guy, so I don't really care. I just love all the different puzzle elements. And now you have like whatever, 15, 20 different heroes to play through. It's, it's a blast. So for me, it's Marvel champions. I play this game constantly. I am going to Butler university this one and go with fleet, the dice game because Marvel champions was, it's a solid game. I can't like it's like it's like I understand why people love it. And I can't like sit here and say it's a it's a six out of ten. I cannot. Like I it's a objectively really, really good game, building upon the bones of the different LCGs that have came before. And I can see why people are into it, but I it just doesn't have a soul for me. Like it just like the the story isn't really there. And the the different heroes like, you know, the way you construct the deck, like, you know, you listen to Sentinel Multiverse, it's a 40-card deck. So, you know, you have the, you know, like an integrated experience, right? You know, maybe it's a little bit samey, but, you know, it doesn't have to be. Like, you can play it out and it plays differently, depends on different bosses and all kind of stuff. With Marvel, you ha like, each hero has, I don't know, what, 10 cards of their own, depending on the 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 which heroes-ish. Um, and then you have to shuffle in all these other cards. So like you're shuffling in, sometimes you shuffle the roll cards, like the justice or whatever it is, and that's could be okay. But then you shuffle in those like utility cards and they're usually garbage. 
uh, unless <laughs> maybe they've gotten better since I've played it because it's a lot of yeah. different you know stuff for it now. Um, but like I just didn't, I, I don't, I just can't penetrate it, and it just doesn't feel like my favorite heroes. And I'm a huge Marvel person, so like it's a it's objectively good game. I just it's just not for me at all. And so Fleet the Dice game is a, like I, I agree with Anthony, very very fleshed out real game. Uh, and you know, my, among my favorite role in rights, I have a couple others that are like simpler. They give me different stuff, but like in terms of like that combo, like type feeling that I want to get, like a, like a pinball machine, like you roll and it's like, ding, 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 you know, like towards the end of the game, cause you're getting all this, all the coins and all the combos and everything. It's wonderful. So I'm going fleet the dice game, 16 seed. Let's, let's see what you got, right. Chris. Let's see what you got <laughs> for a little upset, upset mojo. Oh, yeah, an LCG or a roll and write. This is this is this is your real Sophie's choice. <laughs> it is because I, I unfortunately I don't happen to be a fan of either of just the general mechanic of of either one of these games. Like you said, Anthony, I I, I think the roll and write games are fine, but anytime they're wait you know on the table for too long, they overstay their welcome. And for the LCGs, it's just a money sink. And there is, as you said, Jason, there is some thematicness that's missing it's it's certainly hollow in some ways and i and i can't really put my finger on it and anthony and i've had this you know battle about the, about the game like where is the theme that you find when you play arkham horror the lcg that you don't find here so it's it's a rough combination of just mechanics that generally just don't work for me long term i think the the tiebreaker here for me is going to be what would I be more likely to play long-term if I was a solo gamer and I did want to have a game that would hit the table again and again? And it's going to be Marvel Champions, the card game, just because of the additional content. I was hoping to slay the beast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, Sentinels of the Multiverse had some serious problems early on, but they had their apps, they had their additional content, they're upgraded, so it, it did bring the game around. And I think the Marvel Champions, a card game with their additional expansions is bringing the game around too. So our number one seed, Marvel Champions, a card game, moves on to the next round. Next up is our number eight seed, Cartographers, versus our number nine seed, Coffee Roaster. This was right. not even a question for me. We're going Cartographers all day. <laughs> Coffee Roaster is a... Like, you know, Warp's Edge is just replaced it as a bag builder in every single way. You know, like, you know, you're building your bag and you're kind of pulling out stuff that's like more and more powerful as you build. Uh, and Coffee Roaster is just like, like, I don't even, it's almost like not even a game. It's like, just like, okay, I'm building a bag. <laughs> and I don't even, it, it just feels like old tech at this point. Uh, while um, Cartographers is a, just a beautifully simple uh, game that I can play in like 10 minutes. I played it in therapy with people. Uh, and it's just, it, it fills a lot of roles and, you know, we're getting more of it and I'm looking forward to it. So like cartographers every single day on this one. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said. Like I own both of these. Really? Games. Okay. Coffee I thought Roasters. you were uh, smitten with coffee roaster a little bit. <laughs> I I've, I've cooled on it a lot over the last couple of years. Like, like you said, there's other games that do similar things better. It just, it's dull. I don't know. There's some reason I don't feel the call to come back to it. Cartographers comes back a lot. So um, that's, it's such a good roll and write or flip and write or whatever you want to call it these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm with you, man. All right. Our number eight game cartographers moves on to the next round. Next up is our number five seed Friday versus our number 12 seed, the lost expedition. 
So Friday was the first solo game I bought. Uh, I, I understood that there was solo games out there in the world. And I was like, I did some research. It's the first one that popped up. So I bought it. I played it a bunch. I enjoyed it. I have not played it in a while now because it, it does feel dated at this point. Like it's been around for a while. I've played it a lot and I know what I'm getting, right? Um, on, on the flip side of that, you've got The Lost Expedition, which I played obsessively when it came out. And it is to some degree completely random how you're going to perform in this game. And I don't <laughs> care. I don't know why I don't care. I, I hate this kind of <laughs> randomness. Like it tells a good story. It's a really good story. Like you could see it. Like you could see I have a gun and I'm going to shoot the the snake and like, you know, that and like I'm gonna get meat from the snake. I'm gonna eat the meat and I'm gonna, you know, use the meat to power up and jump over the ravine. I mean, it's like it's it's not like a perfect story. And I I I remember when I first reviewed it, I was like, okay, there's some weirdness here, but just you know, like get over it and just like ride with what it's offering you. And there's a little bit of it's there's a there's as much strategy as like a, a regular solitaire card game, you know, and you don't play like there's just a little bit, but you don't, you, you, you play it for just the breezy time. And like a lost expedition is a breezy time. Friday is a solvable game. Like, you know, you can beat it. Then you get to the point where you beat every time and you can like only take away so much life and you can only like nerf yourself, you know, in terms of the harder and harder modes. So it's like, I'm not, eh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, but yeah, Friday to me is like done. I would never want to pick up Friday again. Where yeah, Lost you know. Expedition, like I'm, I'm kind of done with that too because I've already experienced the stories in that game. But I really, it stuck with me longer because that's because because of, of the story elements and how breezy a story delivery system it is. Yeah, All I'm right. with you. I think I'm in the same boat. It's Friday. I, I didn't even get to the point where I beat it regularly. I just got bored with it eventually. You know, getting that close, I'm like, ah, I'm good. So, well, yeah, I, I mean. Because you execute well, not that it's beatable every time, but you're kind of like going for the same cards, and you go like like certain cards are just better than other cards, and like you get those good, you know, the draw cards are better than like plus one life or whatever it is, depending on what's going on, and you know, like if you, it just depends on the order in which they come, and you're trying to like kind of play within that order, but like the as you know, like you have a strat, and you're executing that strat versus playing a game. You know, and where there's like options on like different things that I can do. And I just don't, you know, Friday was good for its time and it's a classic. And if people are just busting into it, it's like, here you go, check it out. That's a cool game. Because I enjoyed it. But, you know, on the other side of that, mm -mm. you know, Lost Expedition, you know, all day on that one. Yeah. All right. So that's the number 12 seed. Lost Expedition moves on to the next round. Next up is our number four seed, Sprawlopolis, versus our number 13 seed, Sagrada. Yeah, I'm... I'm weirdly obsessed with Sprawlopolis. I don't like the first time I played this, I was like, I'm going to, I just play it. And because it takes two minutes to play whatever it takes to throw the cards out there, but just playing it over and over and over again. And Sagrada, I really enjoy. It's a beautiful game. Um, and I owned it for a while, but at a certain point I did get rid of it. Cause I just didn't find myself coming back to it. Uh, other games in the similar bucket um, role player, other things of, of that kind of weight. I prefer more. Whereas Sprawlopolis, it's the wallet game. I take it with me if I if I know I just need something, like if I'm on an airplane or something, like this is perfect. Uh, so yeah, Sprawlopolis for me all day. I, I, it's such a simple nothing of a game, but I love it. Uh, Sagrada, I struggled with the solo on that one because it's just like 
it just felt like, you know, punishingly hard, like, you know, like the really high point threshold. And it's like, I got to do everything right in order to like even come close to sniffing this game. Maybe they've like re-released it since or like reiterated on that solo. Like I'm sure it's been expanded since I've been played it last. So it didn't last for me. Uh, obviously, I have role player over here. Which that's going to come up in a little bit. So like that is the thing that I play instead of uh, Sagrada. I'm not like totally enamored with Sprawlopolis either. I just feel like it is very dry, you know, relative to what it is. It's just like it is a puzzle you know and it's a variable puzzle like you so you have the different goals and you're mashing up things different ways but i you know like am i building a city (laughs) not even close i'm just like putting together like it could have just been shapes and i guess like i you know i like the idea of city building and i and i've just you know i always get disappointed when i see like okay city building anything whatsoever i have low standards give me something it's a puzzle so, I mean, maybe that has played a role in it, but it's a fine game. So I'm happy to vote for it uh, over a game that I don't even want to play anymore. So that's fine. Right. All right. So our, the number four seed, Sporolopolis, moves on to the next round. Next up is the number six seed, Isle of Cats, versus the number 11 seed, Gonshan Clever. Talk about a game that I'm done with. <laughs> right. There's we'll a reason they're like, releasing a new version of that every year. They're like, people get burned out. They're like, more version? They're like, all right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like triple clever. How, how many clevers do you want? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, if you'd, if you'd asked me like that, that during the craze, I would have like, oh, my man, this is amazing. And it's in the app. I can play 17 games in the toilet and try to get 300 points and all that and all, everything that was happening. And then it's like, you do it. And it's like, okay, I am donezo with this guy i'm done i'm never playing this game again it was like you know just kind of like you just got stuffed in it and then some of the sometimes you have games where you play it a lot then you give it a break and you come back to it and you're happy like i'm not coming back to gancho clever at all it's not happening and so by default i'm gonna have to defer to (laughs) go ahead anthony isle of cats cats chris it's happening it's moving on (laughs) isle of cats <laughs> this game is so good. You have to play it before you can say these things. It's multicolored cats randomly stretched out on a pirate ship. Like, yeah. why? That sounds amazing. Why is that a thing? So that should good. never be a thing. I don't. You know what? <laughs> why not? Is what I'm saying. I don't even like cats. That should tell you that this game is good. I don't like cats. It's all about cats. You do like cats. I've seen you hugging your cats during podcast, people. Don't listen to him. The man loves cats. <laughs> it is polyominoes for days, though. So, yeah, you, you better like polyominoes if you want to play out <laughs> But if you do, if you do, it is one of the better ones out there. All right. So our number six seed here, Isle of Cats, moves on to the next round. Next up, our number three seed, Role Player, versus our number 14 seed, Under Falling Skies. I still have not gotten around to playing Under Falling Skies. I don't know why. It's been sitting here, and I think I've gone to set it up a couple of times. I'm like, man, there's a lot of rules for a game. It seems like it, it was 18 cards at one point. Um, <laughs> really expanded You would a lot. never know. You would never know that I was an 18-card printed play for what, for what you yeah. get. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, role player, I love role player, and all the content they've added to it. The big giant box I have now, which it doesn't even seem like the kind of game that would get a big giant box, but hey ton of stuff in there uh so i it, it's 
it's not like, oh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's just one of those games that like makes me happy enough to play. And it just kind of floats onto my table occasionally when I'm in that kind of mood where I'm like, I'm going to watch something on Netflix. And this is like a nice nothing I can play in the background. Um, so I'm going to vote for that because I haven't played Under Falling Skies. And because it just, for whatever reason, feels too daunting to get through all of that and figure out how to play it. Although I've heard very good things. So Under Falling Skies is really, really good. Um, it is... Yeah, it's a little bit too high of a rules barrier for what it is. So like your your instinct is not off on that one. Um, and, you know, like when before we had COVID brains, it would have been like, OK, we're just going to pound this out. But like now that we are, you know, have kids all over the place and it's like I want to play a filler that, you know, I like I want my if I'm going to play a heavy game, if I'm going to play a rules heavy game, I want it to be a heavy game. Like I want the rules complexity to kind of match what I'm getting. And this one kind of doesn't. Um, but you know, you get past it. It's like this little like kind of space invadery type thing, and it's like it's cool. Um, but I mean, I got the big box over here. You see it, you know, the, for the people who are watching this, I got the little. It looks like a book. Oh, please! I mean, role player. Uh, you know, why why couldn't um, Underfall of Skies line up with some of these other turds? I mean, it just comes into <laughs> happened to run into role players, so role players going to stomp it every time. All right, that's number three seed role player moves on to the next round. Next up is the number seven seed, Only Rim, versus the number 10 seed, Hostage Negotiator. Oh, this one breaks my heart. Another another <laughs> very tough pairing. Uh, Hostage Negotiator is, you can't see it with the shine over here, but I have the Crime Wave box with the career expansion. I have everything for it. Uh, I reviewed four, over four videos and all the abductor packs from the Dice Tower. Uh, and it was my pleasure to do so. I loved the career expansion, gave it a seal of excellence. Uh, for It takes a very, very simple game. It really does a good job of building on a career, building personal stories. And I'm really going to recommend it with the career. It's okay with the, you know, the regular boxes too. It's very cheap. You know, you can play it. It's cool. Um, but Anthony knows how I feel about Onirim, and I assume he shares many of my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I... I also really enjoy Hostage Negotiator. I also have all that content. And it has faded away a little bit for me I, in favor of some other dice-based solo games. But Onirim, I do come back to again and again. It's just, it's such an elegant design. I mean, obviously you have to shuffle the cards a lot, but other than that, you have a single deck of cards and you're just going through trying to solve this puzzle. And then if you have the newer version that's been released the last like five, 10 years, it has however many half a dozen variants on how to play the game. So it's not even just seven like, expansions, all of which I have played on the, on the one stop co-op shop as a playthrough, all seven expansions <laughs> and a separate playthrough on the, with the, with the, uh, the promos, the Sphinx, the diver and the mirrors. So I got a separate uh, playthrough for that one as well. Yeah. I haven't done all that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I know how many times you've played this game and I'm nowhere close, uh, but I do love this. It's one of those games like every six months or so I'm like, Oh yeah, I love that game. And I'll pull it out and I'll play it maybe 30 times and then it goes away again and it'll come back in six months. So that one obviously has longevity and I would highly recommend it as, you know, if somebody's getting into solo games and wants something small and inexpensive, it's a great place to start. If you could find it in print because I could never manage to keep it in print. Well, they got the app, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, get the app. Yeah, Only Rim was one of the games that I first played as a solo game. This is way back, I think like eight, plus years ago when we were at myriad games 
And Paul, the the uh, the manager of the store, was like, "Oh, you're waiting for a game? Yeah." He's like, "Here, here, play this." And I'm like, "How can I play this? Is nobody else here? Like, what do you mean?" He's like, "Just play it." I'm like, "I'm looking through the rules. I'm like, there's there's no other players. What what? No, you can't. How how would you do that? How would you play one player game? That's not a game." And uh, yeah, I I have the app and I still play to this day. So uh, I I assume then our number ten seed. Hostage negotiator will be moving on to the next round. What? No. What are you doing? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of love there. <laughs> He's trying to make sure we're paying attention like an hour and a half into the podcast. I know. Yeah, I know. I'll catch you guys. Guys, go to sleep as you are and then have nightmares and try to figure it out with a card-based game. All right. Our number seven seed, Oni Rim, moves on to the next round. And finally... Our last matchup for all of these brackets in the lighter fair and card games is the number two seed Arkham Hara, the card game versus our number 15 seed. Oh my goods. This one's easy, right? Oh my goods is just, it's oh my goods. Like I was excited about it and you know, like it's cause the, the expansions do make it better. The, the, the Canyon and all that adds some story elements, but at the say at the end of the day, it it's just, it's another kind of solvable game like you're just kind of doing the same things uh economic type stuff and so it's, it started off good but it's like okay i'm, I'm kind of done here and arkham horror lcg is the gift that keeps on giving uh i i'm not a fan of the lcg model because of just how expensive they are like they're sneakily the most expensive products in gaming like and you would think it's like the big minis expansions now oh yeah i mean bloodborne you have to spend like 500 bucks to get everything and uh but like you know you have to spend a good two thousand plus dollars to get all of lord of the rings lcg and you're reaching that for the arkham horror lcg so like you know it's hard for me to recommend um so it's hard for me to recommend arkham horror lcg just because the cost is so prohibitive but if that is a thing that you can handle you treat it like a netflix subscription so you're like can i spend a little bit a month and you're getting into some of the, the cycles. Like it's, it's it's clearly my favorite LCG because of the story-based elements of it. And it's just a really, really brilliant, really implemented system. So Arkham Horror LCG for me. Yeah, this is a no-brainer for me. Like I don't even have all my goods anymore. I picked up Expedition in Newdale, which is fine, but not even that great of a game. It's just better than all my goods for me. And But Arkham Horror is just, it's brilliant. You know, it's expensive. But I've been buying it the whole time. So for me, it's just like a Netflix subscription at this point, like $15 a month. I get my Arkham Horror and move on. Right. And it's just right. a staple of my game budget. And I am way, way, way behind on all the content. But I know someday you'd think in the middle of a pandemic, but someday <laughs> you'll never get to it. You'll never not going to happen. Nope. Not in a million years. Someday someone's going to buy that ex- that whole set off me and then we're very excited <laughs> to get all this stuff that's out of print but <laughs> all right so that is our last matchup and that's our number two seed arkham horror the card game all the madness of collecting an lcg in your hands all right gentlemen so that is our four brackets for our march madness gamer brackets here best solo games uh any last words before we head out 
I mean, these are like, there's a lot of different variety here. Like I say, you know, Anthony based it on the top 200 solo games list, and we we enjoy doing that every single year, kind of covering that. And like, it's a big fun event, you know, like, and you guys were helping me out this past year with the Euro end of it. And, you know, it's a big thing where a lot of solo gamers can come together and celebrate it. And, you know, uh, you wanted me to plug shelf stories. I will plug shelf stories. I have last year's commentary episodes uh, featured prominently, including these two gentlemen who helped me out and other, you know, uh, content creators, uh, Kevin Erskine, Liz Davidson, Michael Kelly. Uh, and it will happen every single year that I am doing. We we're going to do solo gaming. Uh, we are now currently running through top 50 cooperative games uh, through the one-stop co-op shop. I have a big call with all the all the boys, six six of us, uh, going through our top 50 cooperative games, kind of an aggregated list. Uh, and I have a lot of different commentary on shelf stories. Uh, I have my Good Trouble series, which I, I, I tackle uh, topics in culture uh, and multiculturalism in particular. I have shelf help as a mental health therapist. Lots of stuff um, in my channel, and I'm having a really good time with it. So please visit Shelf Stories for gaming and you know gaming on the table and above the table. All right, awesome. Anthony, yeah, thanks for coming you? on. Mm-hmm. No, no, just wanted to say you know obviously it's great to see you, Jason. Um, we've oh, man, we've done many fun. of these. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's always. A- yeah, it's true. Uh, it's it's always been a blast to come on your shows. I'm glad you can come on here, and I figured this was a perfect topic, so I'm glad you did because uh, it, it's obviously we have a lot of overlapping tastes, but it's also fun when when they don't. So. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. This is Anthony, and this is Jason, and we'll save you all a seat at the solo table. Take care. Later, everybody. See ya! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.